Move upon our children, we pray, as they hear your word downstairs in our classes. Lord, move upon my lips and let me share what the Spirit would say to the church this morning. We thank you for the chance to come to worship, to hear your word today. Speak life to us, we ask. Thank you for these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We'll have our kids be dismissed this morning. Again, so good to have you here today. And if you have your Bibles, turn with us to the book of Proverbs for our last time here in our series of messages in the book of Proverbs. We're in Proverbs chapter 22. If you care to turn there. Proverbs chapter 22, but won't get there for a while here, so hang on with me and we'll get there eventually. Like I said, we are going to finish our series here in the book of Proverbs. And no doubt you have heard as uh, you've been, or if you've been around church or whatever the case might be, You've probably heard it said that Jesus spoke more or talked more about money than any other issue in the Bible. And of course, while it's true that Jesus did speak a great deal about money, I'm not sure that we can qualify every teaching that He gives as necessarily being about money per se. More often than not, the teachings that Jesus gave about money were really just a way of exposing deeper issues. The deeper issues of the heart. So when Jesus tells the rich young ruler, Matthew 19 for instance, to go and sell all that he has, he's not condemning the young man because he's rich. After all, Jesus is buried in a Rich man's tomb, as Isaiah prophesied about, and as Matthew tells us a few chapters later. Rather, Jesus uses this example, this illustration, and Matthew records it, of course, to expose this young man's heart. heart that's captivated by these treasures. He's not willing to surrender his life fully to Christ. He's willing, of course, to keep the Sabbath. He's willing not to lie or to steal or to murder like all the Ten Commandments, but really, he's not willing to surrender the deepest part of his heart. So Jesus exposes it. But the reason, of course, Jesus uses money is because it's a very relatable commodity. All right, they would have made no sense to the first century Jews and Romans and whatever to talk about baseball because they didn't know a thing about baseball, right? And we use it in our vernacular because we understand that they didn't know a thing about it, but they understood money and, and it's a very relatable commodity. I mean, we get it when somebody is forgiven a debt of millions of dollars and yet they refuse to forgive a debt of a couple of hundred dollars. When you tell me, go to Turkey Hill after church this morning and 
rack up a debt of 50 to to $100 for fuel, 200 300 it seems like it's going higher and higher, I don't know. <laughs> but you go home and there's somebody in your house and they're like, hey, I can either forgive that $100 fuel bill that you just racked up or I can forgive your $200,000 mortgage. I mean, which one would you take? You know, for me, I take the mortgage all day long, right? I'll pay everybody's fuel bill. You'll forgive my mortgage. We, we understand that. So when Jesus says, the man owes thousands of talents and the, the owner of the mortgage, the owner of the bill says, I'll forgive it all, and yet that man won't forgive. The man who owes a few dollars. We understand that concept. It's a relatable commodity. Furthermore, it's, a, it's no wonder that Solomon would spend time talking about money in the book of Proverbs. Money is a big issue. While it's true that we need to be sensitive in our conversations, our attitudes, our relationships, our ethics about work and everything else, we also need wisdom and discernment on how we spend, how we invest, how we use our money. That's why Jesus tells us, of course, too, Lay up treasures in heaven. Why? Because Matthew 6.21 tells us, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. If your treasure is literally in your treasure, guess where your heart is going to be? If you treasure your acquisition of wealth and money, your heart, no doubt, will follow in greed and covetous. And so as we finish, we finish on this topic of money. And I have three things here for you. First of all, I have the, the proper acquisition. The proper acquisition of money. And school started this last week, so you can learn how to spell acquisition. Or you can be like me and use a computer that has spell check on it and don't have to worry about how to spell it. <laughs> Because they'll do it right for me. Okay, the, the proper acquisition of the Bible does have a lot to say about money. And, and one of the things it has to say, particularly in Proverbs, is, is about the way to acquire money. The Bible, again, is not against the acquisition of money. It's not against people having money. What the Bible is against is the, the value we place on that money, and I don't mean in terms of a monetary value or market value or whatever, but, but the value in our heart. And, and it also warns us about the acquisition, the ways and means in which money is acquired. And this is where the heart issue comes in, and this is why God gave Moses one of the laws against stealing. Not only are you hurting your neighbor by taking what is rightfully theirs, but you are also exposing your heart. And so when we read the book of Proverbs, we read things like Proverbs 20, verse 21, an inheritance gained hastily in the beginning will not be blessed in the end. Again, the Bible is not against leaving inheritance. In fact, we'll see a few verses here in a while that a wise proverb person will lead an inheritance. But the reality is when all you see in your mom or your dad or your Aunt Susie or your Uncle Jim or whoever, no offense to any Susie or Jim that's here this morning, but when all you see in that 
relative of yours is a cash cow that you can't wait to get your hands on. Guess what? That's a recipe for disaster in your life. And many of you have dealt with this. You told us stories of this. We had a situation here in the church a few years ago. Family wanted nothing to do with a church member that had passed away until the coroner went into the apartment and found life insurance policies. It's a, it's a sad, tragic tale. And in fact, talking with uh, the ladies that run the Schmidt Funeral Home there on West Street on the other side of, of the highway, I've talked with them and they've told me stories that they have seen all kinds of stuff, even in the middle of funerals and, and, and visitation services where families are, are going after each other all over this issue. It's like, at least wait till the body is in the ground. But no. You might have had that yourself. Like I said, a family member showing up with their hand out, wanting their share of money for the cash that is owed to them, and yet they could not be bothered being a part of the life of the loved one while they're alive. Proverbs says, that's all you want is an inheritance. Guess what? We'll not be blessed in the end. It's not just through inheritance. Look at, look at these words. Proverbs 28, verse 8. Whoever multiplies his wealth by interest, profits, gathers it for him who is generous to the poor. You want to extort the poor and the downtrodding? You want to charge outrageous interest rates on somebody who is hard up for money and needs money? That's why it's such a good thing, and I don't know if stuff is going on with it or not, but the government had to address this issue of these loan charts. These people who want to cash your paycheck and want to charge you 30 and 40% interest, outrageous things. They're doing is simply to exploit you. Proverbs says if that's all you're going to do, now there's nothing wrong with charging a moderate sense of interest. It's the way money grows. It's the way it gathers. When you're intentionally gouging someone. When you're intentionally taking advantage of someone. You know, we talk about it. Family, it's kind of a, a shame, isn't it? You can go to Sam's Club, and I do every once in a while, and buy 40 bottles of water for the church for $4, I believe. Maybe $5. And yet you can't even pay that much for one bottle of water at the ballpark, at the amusement park, wherever you're going. You, you see again, and, and look, there's, I guess the law of supply and demand or whatever, and we don't do it. We sit there and dehydrate and fall apart or whatever until we leave. That's amazing to me to, to watch guys there in the concession stand line. They got two or three cans of beer and it's like, man, I could pay a car payment with that. fact of the matter is when you extort individuals, Proverbs 28, verse 19, whoever works his land will have plenty of bread, but he who follows worthless pursuits will have plenty Plenty of poverty. Has anyone ever come up to you and told you that if you would just do this thing, you would have instant overnight wealth? Did this a few times in college where 
They answered a job ad in the paper. That was way back when. We didn't have the internet. And it was still answering these ads. And, and they would tell us, oh, you can make all of this money. And, and I show up. And they're like, oh, this guy's going to train you. And we're walking around trying to sell steak knives and all this other stuff. And I think, what in the world? You know, but, but the ad didn't say that. The ad just said, you're going to make a lot of money on this job. Perfect for college students. That family members that have come to my mom and dad at different times and have told them, invest in this thing. If you do this thing, you can make a lot of money. You can do this. And you have to be wary of those who are promising instant overnight wealth. I mean, I mean, it may be that you'll be Jed Clamp and discover oil, and that's great. Make sure you write your tide check. More often than not, though, when someone comes and they promises you that you're going to be rich in 10 days, the only one that's going to be rich is them. They're taking your money. Again, Proverbs 28, verse 20, same thing. A faithful man will, will abound with blessings, but whoever hastens to be rich will not go unpunished. Proverbs 28, verse 22, a stingy man hastens after wealth and he does not know that poverty will come upon him. This may shock or upset you or surprise you. But I don't know if I really have a problem with you going to Wawa, going to Turkey Hill or wherever and buying a lottery ticket. Other than the fact that you're holding up the line. I don't like that, but whatever. But to be honest with you, it's, it's better for you health-wise at least to buy the lottery ticket than it is to buy the bottle of soda. We know that soda is not good for you, and yes, I drink it, so I won't judge you. <laughs> Moderation's a key, right? But unless you're going to eat the lottery ticket, I guess it's, it's probably, probably better for you. But there, there's a reason why I don't. Play the lottery. There's a reason why I don't go to the casino. Because, well, there's a couple reasons. And one, they do it to exploit the poor, which is what we've already talked about. And it doesn't matter if it's Sands Casino or if it's somebody in Harrisburg in one of the state office buildings. The fact is they are exploiting individuals. But there's another reason. That is because I know what's inside of my heart. I know what would happen. I would go to Turkey Hill. I'd buy that ticket and I would get five out of six numbers. I know I'd go to the casino and I would roll a 20 so close to 21 and I would be convinced that I can do this. I can hit it big. I know in my heart there's a desire to accumulate lots and lots of money. Love to wake up tomorrow on the beach in my multi-million dollar home that I did not have to work for. Full confession, I found myself shoving quarters into those stupid machines with the crane, you know, where you get the stuffed animal. Thinking, I'm going to get it. I'm so close. And by the time you get this stupid thing, you realize I probably could have saved a few dollars if I would have just went inside a Walmart and bought the stuffed animal. What is there? There's a desire for something there. It's a greed that's within our, within our hearts. It's not worth, it's not worth losing my soul over. See, there's a right way to acquire money. 
It's not through exploitation. It's not through get-rich-quick schemes. That's what Proverbs 12 tells us. Verse 11, Whoever works his land will have plenty of bread. He who follows worthless pursuits lacks sense. Verse 14, From the fruit of his mouth a man is satisfied with good and the work of a man's hand comes back to him. It's one good way to get money and to guarantee you have money. And that's that four-letter word there. Work. Work. There is a, there is a right way and that is the way that God intended us to, to flourish as human beings, and we even talked about it. God put Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, and He put them there to work. Put them there with a job to do, to take care of the garden. This is what God has created us to do, is to work, to be industrious, to, to do things with our hand and our mind. It brings profit and good. And yes, we know because of the fall that work is cursed and it's hard. And again, the ground doesn't always produce what we want it to. And numbers don't always make sense. And studying for sermons to preach every week, sometimes you feel like you don't make sense in what you're saying. The reality is, if we want to have a blessed life, there's a proper way which to acquire these blessings. It's not just how money is acquired. Proverbs also speaks of the proper use of money. The proper use of money. The book of Proverbs tells us that we should use it properly. Money, again, is nothing more than a tool. It's a commodity. It's neutral. There is no positive or negative to money. And so, the question is, how do I use the money that I have in a proper way? Proverbs 3 verse 9 says, Honor the Lord with your wealth. First fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. The first and proper use of money. So we should honor God with it. Isn't it amazing that right before that, you know these verses. That's why it's not on your thing or whatever. Proverbs 3, 5 and 6, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding in all your ways. Acknowledge Him. He will make straight your paths. Solomon says that, and then he turns around and he says, Honor God with your will. Solomon says, Honor God with our produce. It's not just a matter of bringing in the first tomatoes that you grow, although I appreciate it. And there's a couple of cucumbers and a big zucchini. It's about that big downstairs. Some squash, whatever. The cooks brought in last week. You're welcome to take them. The principle is that we take our money and we honor God with it. We, we honor God with, with what God has given us. We honor God with the blessings that we have. And, and guess what? You will be blessed. You will be blessed. Now again, this is a principle and I've, Mentioned before, and I'll mention one more time, the book of Proverbs is not a hard and fast, if you do this, this will occur. These are principles that are observable, that happens most of the time. And so this principle is balanced with the rest of Scripture. The church gives me a hundred dollars, 
and I give 10, guess what? I don't have a right to go out and spend $400. Sit there and say, why doesn't God bless me? Well, you're $390 in debt, no wonder. Or however much you are, $300 in debt. The reality is when you are generous in your giving, God is able, able to give back. Proverbs 11, 24, one gives freely. Yet he grows all the richer, another withholds what he should give, and he only suffers want. One, one gives freely, and yet, and yet he keeps getting more. Another withholds what he should give, and he only suffers once. Now, I'm not telling you that you're going to go home and there's a check in the mail. If there is, please call me. I'll go check my mail because they usually don't work on Sundays, right? But you know, Mary mentioned it last week when she started the service. We've had a milder summer. It's been great. We've not run our air conditioner. We've saved some money. We went, got our car or van inspected on August 30th because it was due on August 31st. So I am that guy. <laughs> and the reason you couldn't get your car worked on last week. But he said you're going to need some tires and I began to realize, you know what? I don't even remember where we got those last tires. We've got our thirty or 40,000 miles out of them. They've worn good and they've worn well. They've worn evenly. And again, if your tires are a mess and you got to get new tires and you're like, I just bought them 10,000 miles ago, it's not because God hates you or I'm better than you. God has a way. He has a way of meeting and providing for what you need and what you have in your life if you will be faithful to honor God. So how do you use your money? First of all, give it to God. Honor Him. Give when you see needs. But but also, we should use our money in a thoughtful and wise manner. Proverbs 21, verse 5. Plans of the diligent lead surely to abundance. Everyone who is hasty comes only to poverty. Plans of the diligent lead to abundance. When you're wise and faithful in what you use your money and how you spend it, you usually find yourself with more than enough. Proverbs 15.22 Without counsel, plans fail. But with many, many advisors they succeed. Whether it's through budgeting, investing, saving. We should understand that our money should not just be spent on the first thing we see or desire, but rather should be used in a wise and prudent manner. Please understand, I'm not a financial advisor. Consult your financial advisor in all things concerning finances. I am a person who can read and hopefully help you apply God's Word. And, and I think this is an issue that we as Christians need to give serious consideration to. Are we wisely stewarding the resources that God has given to us? And again, this applies to our everyday choices. Think about the advantages of making your coffee at home versus buying it at Dunkin' or Starbucks, taking your lunch to work versus going out to eat. And again, I'm not saying any of that's wrong. And if you bought us Dunkin' Donuts on the way here, 
More power to you. Unless, of course, money could have been spent better somewhere else. Right? We, we make these little choices in our life and sometimes we don't think about what we're doing and, and we don't realize how much they add up. We started classes several years ago to finish my master's degree. I mentioned it to another pastor, local pastor, that I was going to do this and asking him because I knew his church was helping him finish his doctor, doctoral degree and I said, you know, I'm thinking about taking some money out of my retirement that the church has given. He said, whatever you do, don't do that. Find another way. And he was right. He's right. It's easy to think, well, I'll never retire. You know, I'm only 35 years old, 37. Then all of a sudden you turn around, you're not 35 anymore, are you? <laughs> Those years have a way of creeping up on you and all of a sudden... We see individuals that have not planned wisely, not taken time to invest wisely. Again, it goes in so many different ways. You know, we, we went to the insurance agent to, to get insurance for Cameron or Carter or whoever it was, and they started driving and, and I mentioned it to him. And she said, Whatever you do, don't buy them a new car. And I said, Don't worry, we ain't buying them a car, period. <laughs> we gave money to help, but. That's true. Don't spend $20,000 for a kid that's going to run it into something. Unfortunately, our boys haven't ran into anything and their cars have run. But, but, but it, it's like it's such a waste. I mean, we haven't ever bought a new car. If you have good for you, we haven't. <laughs> but you think about what are wise ways we can use. Invest in the money that God has given. Solomon, again, as we've already mentioned, brings this home in Proverbs 13.22. A good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. Sinner's wealth is laid up for the righteous. By the way, before I go any further, this is not a verse telling you that if you're a Christian that you're going to get sinner's money and so give to me and my televangelist work and my private jet and God's going to give you money for the wicked. Maybe God will bless you. There's a lot of people exploiting this verse so telling you that somehow we're going to get all the money from all the evil people in this world. One day it will happen when the evil of this world is turned over. God comes and redeems the earth. Riches may come in the eternal kingdom. It's not necessarily you become fabulously wealthy. But again, notice the wise stewardship and the investing that the man has made. Again, am I in a position to leave money to my own children, much less my grandchildren? I'm probably not. Should I strive to be in a place right now, this situation in my life, where I'm not depending on my children to, to support me? Or, or I don't have to drag myself here week after week, babbling incoherently because I should have retired 10 years ago. And you all come to church and you hang your head and you think, why will somebody not tell him it's time to hang it up? Because I have nothing to live on. No, we need to be wise in our financial decisions. We need to be wise in the choices we make. And again, when I say all this, I'm not, not against anyone who drove a new car this morning. Although, maybe you could let me take a spin in it. 
Not against any of you who have a newer iPhone than I do. Not telling you you shouldn't go out to eat after lunch. No, God has blessed us. And we do these things. And we're going to do these things. I mean, I'm not going to buy a new car for a while, but we enjoy what God has given us. But you have to do it in a wise way that does not wind you up in trouble down the road. You see it with college students all the time, don't you? $100,000 in debt, never worked a day when they're in college. They're going out and they're making lattes at Starbucks for 20 bucks an hour and you think, how are you ever going to pay off that bill? It's a shame that we come to this place. We need to be generous. We need to be wise. Last point this morning, though, we need to have a proper perspective. We need to have a proper perspective when it comes to money. Yes, money is a good thing. Yes, God blesses. He gives it to us so that we can bless others. He also gives it to us so that we can enjoy. We can enjoy. And yes, one of my guilty pleasures is going to Dunkin' Donuts or McDonald's or whatever and buying myself a coffee once or twice a week when I'm here at the church. But we have to have a proper perspective. You know, Proverbs 18 verse 11 tells us, a rich man's wealth is a strong city like a high wall in his imagination. Back in the time of the Bible, long before there were F-14s or whatever, Tom Cruise flew in Mission, not Mission Impossible, Top Gun, whatever movie he was in. He's the only guy that makes money nowadays, right? <laughs> long before there were these things, a defense was building a wall, a city. That's why you read verses like the name of the Lord's a strong tower. It's talking about something that's, that's there that can fortify and keep you safe. And Solomon is, is telling us a rich man thinks that his money is his strong tower. He thinks that his wealth, you know, look, I just got lots of money. I'm going to be okay like Jesus told that parable. Soul, take it easy. You have built up all your money. Take it easy. And God looks at him and says, tonight your soul is going to be required of you. So rich man's wealth may be a strong city, but we go back to Proverbs 11, 28, and we read these words, whoever trusts in his riches will fall. The righteous will flourish like a green leaf. Whoever trusts, that's your only source of security, is your bank account. It will not hold up. And again, I'm not going conspiracy theory and telling you that the market's going to crash and the banks are going to close and, and all this other stuff. You can believe and do what you want to with all that, but the fact of the matter is riches are not going to be the thing that's going to keep you. In fact, Proverbs 11, verse 4, riches do not profit in the day of wrath. Righteousness. Righteousness is what delivers from death. You stand before God, you're not going to be asked, how much money do you have? The day comes and we're all judged before God. You're not going to stand there and say, look at how much I have. Surely I can go to heaven. 
only thing that's going to matter is are you clothed in the righteousness of Christ? Are you standing before Him with His righteousness? Nothing in my hand I bring, the songwriter said, simply to the cross I cling. That's all that's going to matter. And again, we, we look at all of these people in Proverbs 7, or Psalm 73 is such a great reminder to us. They always have a lot of wealth. They always have good health. Everything is so great. And in the life of these wicked, and Asaph, the writer of the psalm, says, I don't understand. I have nothing. I'm sick. I, I can't hardly make it. Then he says, and I went to the house of God and I realized, I realized what was going on. God does not care about your financial standing. He doesn't care about anything that you have in this world. And so again, this brings me to my text. Calm down, I'm not going to preach now. <laughs> I'm almost done. Proverbs 22, verse 2, the rich and poor meet together. The Lord is the maker of them all. The rich and poor meet together. The Lord is the one who created all of us the same. The ground is level at the foot of the cross. It's also level on the day of judgment. God will not look at your pocketbook. He will look at your heart and He will see if it's covered up in the blood of Christ. God's not going to care about how much money you gave to the work of missions, although that matters and we are laying up treasure in heaven when we do that. Ultimately, He's going to look at you and say, where is your heart? Where is your life? That's why Jesus tells us about the rich man and Lazarus. Both of them dying. And where do we find Lazarus? In the bosom of Abraham. We find the rich man begging for mercy in the pits of hell. And so what is our perspective on money? Proverbs 30 verses 8 and 9 tells us. Remove far from me falsehood and lying. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food that is needful for me, lest I be full and deny you and say, Who is the Lord? Lest I be poor, and I still profane the name of my God. Remove from me. Remove from me all of these false ways. Just give me. Give me what I need. Feed me with the food that is needful for me. I mean, I don't, I don't want to be that person that has a steal and profane the name of God and, and they say, oh, he's a Christian, he's a pastor, look at him, he's, he's robbing the bank. Yet at the same time, I don't want to be so rich I can stand there and say, look at all I have gotten. Surely I am great. Surely I am awesome. Look at all I have acquired. Give me what I need. Jesus said, give us this day. Give us this day, our daily bread. Again, if God has blessed you abundantly, good. 
enjoy the blessings of God. See how God can use those resources to further the work of the gospel around the world and here in the church and everything else. Who's in your life that you can bless them and be a help to them? You feel like you can't make ends meet day after day and week after week, then examine your life. Examine the areas of your life. Are there some things you need to change? I mean, I tried it yesterday, but nothing ever gets done when you just lay on the couch and do nothing. Like I said, I tried it, and then I got yelled at, so I had to get up and do something. Maybe it is a matter of work. Maybe it's a matter of changing some things, how we spend or what we invest or what's going on with our lives. Seek help if you need it. Need someone to help you, let me know and we'll try to find someone that can help you. Financial counseling or whatever the case is. But, but understand ultimately, if you're faithful to God, God will give you, give you what you need. He will watch over you. We can live wisely even in a world again where cost goes higher and higher and it seems like you can't get ahead. God is able to care for you. It's the first Sunday of the month we celebrate communion on this day and so it's appropriate to consider these words from the Apostle Peter as we finish. Finish this sermon. First Peter chapter 1, verse 13. Therefore, preparing your minds for action. Being sober-minded. Getting yourself in a right position. Set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. But as He who called you is holy, be holy in all your conduct, since it is written, You shall be holy, for I am holy. And if you call on Him as Father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile, knowing that you are ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefather, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, you are ransomed with the precious blood of Christ like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you. Through Him are believers in God who raised Him from the dead and gave Him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. I mean, it was a ransom with a $20 bill. It was a ransom with gold and Ford Knox. It was a ransom with Visa, Discover, American Express. God sent His Son. And His Son shed His blood on Calvary because He gave it all. Because He paid a debt I could never pay. Because He paid everything. I stand before You forgiven. 
I stand before you free in Christ. Yes, my watch is not a Rolex, in case you're wondering. It's not even a cheap Rolex bought off the streets of Manhattan. No, I, yes, I bought some of my clothes on clearance and on sale. But I am a child of God. Not because I have more money, not because I have less money, but because Jesus paid it all. And today we come to the table of the Lord. We remind ourselves my worth is not in what I owe, but it's in the precious hope of Jesus Christ. And it's a worship team if you want to come. Ushers, if you want to come, let's get ready. If you're here today and you don't know Christ as your Savior, the offer stands. You can have forgiveness. You can have eternal life. You can have freedom from your sins. If you don't know Him, today is that day. If you're here and His blood has covered your sins, as you take and take not, not, not thinking well look at me I mean obviously I gave the most money today surely God will look at me but take knowing that each and every one of us you and me and the person that's worth several million in this church this morning and the person that's worth two nickels or doesn't have two nickels to rub together we are all children of God 